0: Hello and welcome to this latest episode of the Geek Town Behind the Scenes podcast. I'm your host Dave Elliott and on this episode I'm chatting with Carl Johnson, composer behind the music for a brand new set of Looney Tunes cartoons which are currently airing on HBO Max in the US. There's no news yet exactly where they may pop up in the UK, but you can go and watch some of them if you go to the HBO Max YouTube channel. Carl is an Emmy-winning composer known for his work on Animaniacs, Gargoyles, Pinky in the Brain, and Piglet's Big Movie, amongst many, many other animated series. He's one of two composers who scored on the Looney Tunes cartoons, which include... 80 11-minute episodes made up of animated shorts, each varying in length. In addition to composing, Carl is a highly sought-after orchestrator and has worked on films such as Skyfall, The Amazing Spider-Man, Wally, and Finding Dory. In the interview, we discuss how it felt following in the footsteps of the legendary originator of the Looney Tunes sound, Carl Starling, and reworking some of his compositions such as the classic What's Up Doc. We also chat about how critical the music is in these brief, brilliant animated shorts as I said you can go online and watch them and if you go and look at the post on the website there will be some embedded in there as well if you'd like to hear more behind the scenes interviews don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast by searching for Geek Town Radio this will also give you our weekly Geek Town Radio podcast which brings you all the latest TV film and gaming news you can also look at the website at geektown.co.uk for your daily news stories and the latest UK and US TV premiere Hi, Carl. How are you doing? Good. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. It's lovely to be able to sit down and chat with you virtually. For, you know. yeah,
1: thank you. Uh, thank you for taking the time.
0: You're very welcome. Who doesn't love a Looney Tunes cartoon? I mean, for <laughs> starters, but also the fact that you worked on Animaniacs, which is is just one of my favourite cartoons of all time. Oh, great! I enjoyed that show. I'm I'm what 45 now, so I, I don't know how old I was when that was out, but it, I was I was kind of the right age to sort of get a lot of the older jokes that were weaved into that show.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was a, that was such a fun show to work on. And, um, uh, you know, the whole, the whole team on it was really kind of pushing the boundaries for, yeah. for what people were going to were thinking daytime animation could be at that time it was a real treat to be on that team yeah it's such a brilliantly put together
0: animation that whole thing and of course the pinky and the brain spin-offs and you know all the other like little segments and stuff that they had on it it's just wonderful so why don't we start off with a little bit of background how did you get into composing in the first place well
1: i um originally i was a music theory major in college and um i'd always done Music as a hobby, taking piano lessons from a very young age, and I played trombone in the school marching bands and ensembles. Um, (laughs) I know that well. I used to play trumpet in my high school band. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And it's, you know, it's great fun. And uh, I had always done it because it was fun and it was a hobby and uh, never taken it very seriously. But when I got into college, I took a few music classes just sort of for fun and found that I actually could keep up pretty well and and enjoyed it and, uh, you know, was able to compete <laughs> with, the, with my <laughs> classmates. And I ended up changing my m- major to music theory, of course, having no idea what I was going to do with a music theory degree. Um, <laughs> but um, at one point when I was going to uh, University of Kansas, I got into a marching band at Disneyland, the All-American College Marching Band. And yeah, it was fantastic. I got to spend a whole summer between my junior and senior year working at Disneyland and performing on the park every day. Nice. And um, as part of that job, we also were exposed to different areas of the music or the entertainment industry in general. And at one point, I learned about the film music program at the University of Southern California, Hmm. and it was kind of something that made sense as the next step after a music theory degree, although I had never considered myself a composer. But I was able to get into the program at USC and um, just found that it was something that I really enjoyed doing. And if I was lucky, I might be able to find some work doing. So, (laughs) uh, you know, it all it all kind of fell into place. Wow. Yeah. And um, one of the things I have in the notes
0: is that you work with pencil and paper to write your music which is, is practically unheard of these days. <laughs> but what a lost art that is. But why still do it that way? I mean, if it works, I guess it works.
1: So, you know. Yeah, it's it's kind of an interesting thing. I got my start in the music industry right as the electronics were kind of taking over. Kind of the advent of MIDI and computer audio coincided with the years that I was working on Animaniacs and the stuff in the, the 90s. yeah. Um, But my training had been very kind of old school, very much studying classical music scores. And uh, I learned to do orchestration by hand. So it was where I came from. Um, But I had always had an interest in electronically produced music as well. So, yeah, I kind of had a foot in both worlds. And as time has gone on, it would certainly be easy enough for me to work by just playing directly into a computer. But there's a part of my brain that has learned how to look at things and analyze them on paper. And I really find when I skip that step of writing it down that I don't like the end result as much. And it really affects my creative process too, that uh, something about the physical action of using a pencil and putting it on paper really helps me kind of think through some of the details that I might not be aware of if I weren't writing it down. And also another added benefit is uh, pencil and paper never crash. <laughs> <laughs> there is I that. yeah. I don't have to worry about, uh, you know, the, suddenly my paper losing... You know, (laughs) losing its ability to be read. Yeah. Um, So. It's a there very durable medium, as long as it doesn't catch on fire. <laughs> but like, yes,
0: yes, there is that. But, uh, you know, you at least have photocopiers and stuff now. So,
1: <laughs> yes, with the advent of scanners, uh, it makes it very easy.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, you've worked on, on various animated things. as You mentioned Animaniacs. You actually did some work on, on Batman, the animation series, which is another amazing show. Yeah, uh, that was fantastic. Care Bears, you did a lot of stuff for Care Bears as well, <laughs> which I'm sure are beloved by quite a lot of people uh the de piglets big movie gargoyles which is a a much overlooked series as well
1: oh yeah thank you um i've I've had a a really i've been very blessed to have had a a career with lots of twists and turns even though much of what i've been doing has been in animation the world of animation is so wide that uh it's given me an opportunity to work on a real variety of projects yeah yeah and uh,
0: as well as the orchestrating stuff which you've been involved with with like um i noticed amazing
1: spider-man skyfall finding dory um that's that's really it's it's been a nice addition to my my composition um orchestration is it's kind of a vague term because it it can mean a lot of things in a lot of different circumstances but ultimately the the orchestrator is the one that's responsible for making sure that the music that gets put in front of the players is readable and appropriate and accurate to the composer's vision. And there's a a part of my brain that that really appeals to um, because I I grew up playing in marching bands and in ensembles. I have a good feel for what it takes to make something on a piece of paper relatable to a musician who's trying to play it. And I really find that very gratifying to be able to speak to that language. And it, it could be somebody that doesn't speak my language somebody in any part of the world, but you yeah. can still look at this information on a piece of paper and interpret it in precisely the way that, that I intended. So I, I really enjoy that. And um, working with live musicians is one of the greatest joys of what I do.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. And interestingly, that background of, of being an orchestrator and a composer for something like Looney Tunes must come in really quite handy because it's such a specific sort of sound that you're creating a music that you're creating for something like leedy Tunes because it, it weaves in and out of old music scores and then you're putting more stuff on top of that and you're orchestrating original things as well. So yeah. it, it's this yeah. big bag of different stuff.
1: Yeah, really animation music and specifically sort of this classic Carl Stalling, Warner Brothers style is technically very difficult music to write and just as difficult to play. So yeah. having kind of an orchestrated hat on really helps because a, a lot of times I'm pushing these instruments to the very edge of what's possible. A lot of times that's what makes it funny is to hear these performers kind of scrambling to do something, which is almost inhuman, but um, <laughs> but it really helps to know what a player can do, and if you push them 10% beyond that, what you're going to get in return. So It really is a, a an advantageous thing to be able to put on that orchestrator had every now and then yeah and
0: with the looney tunes stuff like you say that musically they they have a very specific kind of classic style to them and what's interesting about this particular batch of looney tunes because they've they've always made those looney tunes cartoons but there's been through stages where they've tried modernizing them and and this particular batch really isn't that yeah. it, it feels very much like a classic looney tunes stuff yeah um, so for you
1: how was approaching that well it was It was fantastic. When I had my very first meeting with the creative team on this, uh, Pete Browngarten and Alex Kerwin, they said that when they were considering this show and pitching it to Warner Brothers, part of their creative idea was – what if the classic animation division at Warner Brothers had never stopped making Looney Tunes and Merry Melodies? What would it be like if they were still going today? Mm -hmm. And let's take that original sensibility and all of that experience and insight that those people came up with. And let's not throw it out the window by trying to reinvent it, but let's honor what they figured out and figure out how to just do more of it. And um, to me, that sounded really appealing because sort of the rules and the guidelines and the formulas that they came up with worked so well that there's really no need to try to fix them. So when they were describing this, I, I, I said to the guys, you know, this sounds like a dream gig. Uh, <laughs> it, it's like in terms of the story, it's very driven by the animation. It's all about sight gags. There's as little dialogue as possible, all of which makes it sound ideal to a composer.
0: Yeah. I mean, you've got some really interesting things in in there. What's the process for you i'm assuming you're writing to picture because it's so heavily ingrained the score is so ingrained in the music unlike what you would do with the drama where it sort of sits behind the action it's integral to the entire thing
1: you know the whole animation so yeah it's the process really is the visuals are all basically completed before the composer comes on board the dialogue has all been recorded the animation has all been done all of the editing all of that stuff has been finished. And the very last thing to happen, along with the sound effects, is the music. And so the composer's job is to make sure that the music is perfectly synchronized to the to the film. And if a, an action happens on screen, I have to make sure that I hit it to the frame. Yeah. So technically, that, that can be really challenging. And I often spend, when I'm starting a piece of music for a Looney Tunes project, I'll spend hours just figuring out the tempo and the meter and and how the heartbeat of the music is gonna match the film. And then once I've got all the empty measures laid out, then I'll go back and fill in the notes, which is very backwards from the way most film music is created, where you start with the feel and the tempo is kind of the last thing that you get. But just the the technical part of creating the music to fit exactly with the film is sort of half the battle. That whole process, I think, is very rewarding when it's all finished. And for me to see a piece of animation music Fit so perfectly with the film that it feels sort of inevitable is a very rewarding thing, especially when there's a joke or something that you're able to support and and really help the joke land well.
0: Yeah, I mean there there are some great examples of that. I mean there's a, there's a couple of these shorts of HBO have posted up on YouTube. So there's things like Wet Cement have have been put up on there Mm. which is a great example of that sort of thing of the music you know it's Daffy and Elmer isn't it and he's Elmer's kind of laying out wet cement thing and Daffy keeps on walking through it yeah that's a great example of
1: the music sort of having to hit particular marks every time you know yeah yeah the synchronicity has to be absolutely exact and an interesting thing about that short is there's no dialogue in it. So the storytelling really has to come from the music. And as a composer, that's at once frightening, but also a tremendous opportunity uh, to not just sort of get dialed back and put in the background, that the music is very much in the forefront. And if there's a joke that's waiting to be fully developed, uh, sometimes the music can just sort of help it along so it, it really lands well. Yeah, definitely.
0: And they put a little clip up of uh, Dynamite Dance as well. <laughs> which is uh i, I want to see the whole episode of that because there's only like a little section of it that they put on the youtube video but that's a, a bugs and elma one and is it Puccellini's dance of the hours that it's is it using in the right so yeah. presumably they had a version of that that they were scoring to and then you came in and had to do
1: a, a sort of rearrangement and, and set that yeah That was kind of an interesting process. They found a recording of the piece of music done by a, um, I'm not sure where it came from, but it was a classical music recording, meaning that it was not done to a metronome, that it was the composer uh, or the conductor conducting it as the music sort of felt natural. But when you go in and and analyze those things, there's all kinds of little subtle tempo changes. And what they had done was, A, taken this recording and time compressed it so it was like 10% faster than the original recording, (laughs) but also had all of those little subtle time changes in it. So what I had to do was come back after the fact and then beat for beat match that new tempo with all of those little subtle time changes and then uh, arrange it for the orchestra that we had and try to make something that was barely playable to begin with. 10% Ten percent faster <laughs> and even more difficult. Um, so it 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 was an opportunity to really um, rely on the the amazing studio musicians that play on these things. And interestingly enough, the musicians have a great time doing this stuff. It's uh, I'm sure a, a, a lot of the stuff that they get called on to do is they say it's ninety percent boredom and ten percent terror, um, <laughs> yeah. and it ends up being a lot of the same thing over and over again. But when they get called in to do a, an animation music session they really get to stretch and do some stuff that they don't normally get to do and and they often have a, a really good time doing it so it's fun to sort of push them to the limits but in such a way that it's not that 10 percent error
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i can imagine they must have a whale of a time doing this stuff it, it's yeah. got to be such a break from like the 10th horror movie that they've done that year <laughs> or whatever
1: <laughs> yeah and, and hopefully that comes across in the music too that you, you can tell when the players are having fun yeah
0: one of the other pieces which there's one called snow laughing matter as well mm-hmm. which i'm guessing is a christmas based one <laughs> but yeah. uh, that's quite interesting because that that mixes in and out of things like Otanenbaum and in the bleak we winter and then mixes into like directly <laughs> into the track and then back out into something just amazingly well crafted bit of work is that sort of quite difficult to do making that sort of
1: transition well that's kind of the it's sort of the object of the game is to to figure how many little pieces of quotations of things you can weave into the music. And I guess it's something that I do to amuse myself. And if somebody else gets it, it's that much better. But it's also fun to try to work in some classical music themes that maybe have not been used in animation before. Um, There's a kind of a chase scene in that using the Mozart Requiem. Um, (laughs) And it's it's not often to see a big flaming pickup truck chasing somebody to the tune of Mozart starts so Requiem so <laughs> it's it's kind of a, a chance to to stretch a little bit but yeah that episode is going to be part of a, a Christmas special that will come out later in the year and part of the fun of working on these things is being able to work in tunes in sort of unpredictable ways and maybe ways that you don't recognize what it is right right away but if uh, you think back on it it's like oh I get why that, why yeah, that yeah. tune was being used there.
0: It's sort of like classical music sampling <laughs> in yeah, the same way yeah. that that you know people do on pop records these days you know it's essentially it's that
1: yeah it's it's kind of juxtaposing something that was in one situation into something completely different and seeing what kind of new work it, it comes up with yeah um, so yeah. maybe i'm sort of a cartoon music dj
0: <laughs> yes <laughs> um, the other thing, of course, you got a hold of to do this are the uh, Merrily We Roll Along and, and What's Up Doc, which are the, the kind of theme tune bits mm. that people would known as the Ludley Tunes theme, I guess.
1: Um, right. So how is it just getting your hold of that and being able to rearrange those? That was a real honor. It was one of the first things I did on the project and being able to go back and listen to the original versions of those songs and the creative direction I got was... To Take the original and then take it where you want. And um, (laughs) my idea was to really kind of honor the original approach and sort of polish it up and make a a really nice recording and add a few more things. But, you know, you kind of realize that you're working with uh, sacred material and uh, you want to make sure that you do it right and do it in the best way, most presentable way possible. Um, I'm really pleased with how it turned out. I I think, you know, for my little contribution to the history of Looney Tunes, I'm glad to have had the opportunity to arrange those pieces of music so that the next generation of viewers will enjoy it.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, do you have a favorite character to write for
1: particularly? I'd have to say it's the Roadrunner Coyote cartoons that I, I find are the <laughs> most <laughs> most rewarding. Technically, they're very difficult. For one thing, there's no dialogue. Yeah. Um, and so the music really has to be the storyteller and give you the insight into what's going on into Coyote's brain. And uh, I, I think I really identify with Wile E. Coyote just because <laughs> no matter how hard he plans things out, they always fall apart <laughs> so I, I know how that feels yeah yeah there is a, a little
0: animated short of, of that the tunnel vision i don't know whether it's the whole thing but there's tunnel vision they have actually put up a line as well which is a, a oh, great yeah. classic bit of work between the pair of them and uh, it's, it's got the classic kind of painting an entrance on a rock thing um, <laughs> which i i love i was always a fan of those cartoons the yeah and,
1: and one interesting thing that this this new looney tunes cartoons series is doing is that the directors and the creative team are, are able to kind of just nudge things a little bit further into the uh, the, the crazy approaches to things that they're able to, to take a joke just a little farther than the traditional looney tunes guys would have been able to do like walking into the rock <laughs> yeah uh, you know it it really works but it's a, a little bit of a a push to make that joke land and uh, i guess they they are able to make it a little bit more surreal than um than you would expect and i think it really comes across
0: yeah yeah i spotted that in that one i i noticed that was that was kind of an interesting additional kind of twist to to it i thought that was that was really lovely <laughs> So, uh, I'm going to let you go. But a couple of last questions for you. They're always the same. We always ask everybody the same ones. So, first one is what TV shows are you watching at the moment?
1: You know, that's tricky. Most people that are actively working in the entertainment industry don't have time to watch TV. <laughs> that is true. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, that being said, I just started watching Westworld and I'm about five episodes into it. And I can't wait to find time to <laughs> yeah. watch the rest of it. But um, I'm really enjoying it. I'm, I'm a real science fiction geek and uh i'm loving the approach to this uh this story
0: it's wonderful i love how it it, like morphs into different things every season as well it's it's a really really good show i'm looking forward to that and lastly if you had the opportunity to work on any tv show can be something from the past something present or some future genre what would it be and it can't be something you've previously worked on
1: (laughs) you know i would love to work on something in the star wars universe um one of the very first pieces of film music that ever attracted my attention was the, the score to Star Wars and John Williams is, is a yeah. huge hero of mine so I, I would love to to work on some kind of Star Wars project someday.
0: Well I mean I'm sure Disney will get around to making something again. <laughs> I mean they're, they're going to carry on with that license for as long as humanly possible I think so uh, you it'll know. be around
1: for a while yeah yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: so I, hopefully something comes your way at some point. It's been lovely chat with you. Thank you. Thank you very much, Dave. I appreciate you taking the time. It's been lovely chatting with you. Hopefully, talk again at some point in the future. I look forward to it. All right. Cheers. See you. Bye. All right. Thank you, Dave. Take care.
1: Cool fact.